make a difference. You ready to learn something? Great. I've been learning over the last few days as I've been preparing to share. I haven't preached to people that weren't in jail in a long time. So so this is new for me, but uh, I believe we'll I believe we'll make it through it with no with no trouble. We're talking about useful lies. Useful lies. Uh, Jamie shared the first week. Uh, no, Cynthia shared the first week on I can't make a difference. And the truth to that is you were called to live an exceptional life. You were called to be a difference maker in the world. And then last week, Jamie shared on good people go to heaven. And that's really not true. Righteous people go to heaven. And the only way that anyone can be righteous is by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. So this morning, we're going to do the third in the series. And I call this, well, that's just the way I am. Have you ever heard that before? That's just the way I am. And what that really means is uh, I have no intention of changing. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What is a useful lie? A useful lie is anything that we believe because it's convenient. It's a way for us to stay the same even when we know that we need to change. The statement, that's just the way I am, is merely an excuse for our unwillingness to change. Well, the truth is that Jesus has given us the power to change and to become a totally new, victorious person. How many of you would like to live in victory? Would you like to live in victory? Do you realize that change is required to live in victory? And I know people that are genuinely saved Christians But they tend to move from one disastrous event to the next. And I think one of the reasons for that is because their attitude of life is, well, that's just the way I am. My granddaddy didn't have anything. My daddy didn't have anything. I don't guess I'll ever have anything. And so you see that thing that that permeates a person's life because of refusal to change. But the truth is, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And that word means a new species that's never existed before. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Do you really believe that verse? That's my life verse. It's the first verse other than John 3:16 that I memorized. That verse is going to be on the back of my tombstone. Ann and I, uh, uh, I don't know, a few months ago, we decided that we were going to go ahead and buy our burial plots and and even buy the tombstones and, you know, just have everything uh, worked out. Now, I don't plan on going anywhere 
for quite a while, but but when I do go and you go to the cemetery, I know every one of you will want to put flowers on my grave every week. So when you go there on the back of the tombstone, you will see 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things will become new. Now, if you look at the front of the tombstone, my two sons have already told me what they're going to put on there. Here lies Larry Nunley, father, husband, minister. He thought he was funny. They really say they're going to put that on there. So we'll see. I won't be around to stop them from doing that. So that's, you know, that's just what's probably going to happen. So here are some variations of that's just the way I am. Well, Brother Larry, I'm just too shy to share my faith. Or how about this one? Well, you know, preacher, I'm a good old boy, and I feel closer to God out on the lake or maybe out in the woods. Have you ever heard that one before? Some of y'all have used that. I've heard that one, okay? How about this one? Well, I just wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. How about this one? You play the God card. Well, God made me this way. It's God's fault that I'm the way I am. And how about this one? We've heard this one. I'm so sorry you got hurt, but that's just me being me. Just the way I am. Well, I'll give you a couple of really good biblical case studies on this. The first one is in Judges chapters 13 through 16. Now, we're gonna, not going to read all of that this morning. This will be something good for you to study out over the week. But this is a story of Samson, the story of Samson. Samson lived about 3,000 years ago. He was a judge during the time that Israel, before they had a king, and Israel would get in trouble and God would send judges to them. And, and it's a whole process. You can read that in the book of Judges. Well, Samson was amazing. His mother had prayed for him. She was supposedly barren. And God had given uh, this couple the child Samson. And Samson was called from the womb to be a Nazarite. He never drank any alcohol. He never cut his hair. And he was one of the mightiest men on the face of the earth, probably the mightiest man on the face of the earth. He was incredibly strong. He was, he was brilliant. Some of the things that you see Samson do were amazing. But Samson had a problem. He had no intention of changing. That's just the way he was. Uh, Samson had a problem. Samson couldn't keep his pants on. I mean, you can read about it. He was always in some kind of trouble. Uh, when he was ready to get married, you know, in, at that time uh, in Israel, uh, you, because of the Mosaic law, you had to, marry with, had to marry another Israeli, had to marry another Jew. And even in, today in Christianity, we're not supposed to be unequally yoked to an unbeliever. 
You probably read that verse in the New Testament. Well, Samson, uh, he, he went to his dad. Now, typically in that society, there were arranged marriages. And the parents would arrange the marriage. And Samson was the most famous Israelite on the face of the earth. He could have had any woman in Israel. He didn't want to do that. He wanted a Philistine woman. He wanted a godless woman. He wanted to walk outside the commandments of God. And his, his dad said to him, well, son, you can have anybody you want. He said, I want that one over there, dad. Go get her for me. And so the, the problem started. Uh, Samson never completed his mission. He completed it partially, but he did so with his eyes gouged out uh, at the grinding mill mill in the Philistine camp. And he finally was able to, to strike a blow to the Philistines, but it was not what God had intended for him. Why? That's just the way I am, Dad. Go get her for me. That's the one I want. I'm not going to play by the rules. After all, I'm Samson. I'm special. Well, let's look at a New Testament example. Uh, Turn to Mark chapter 10, if you would, please. Mark chapter 10. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And this is, we'll start with verse 17 through 22. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I have obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing that you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. That's just the way I am, Jesus. I'm a rich guy. As a matter of fact, I'm a ruler of the people of Israel. What would my friends think if I gave everything away and started following an itinerant preacher as he moved from village to village. And so this guy that we call the rich young ruler. Now the reason we call him the rich young ruler. We know he was rich. We know he was young. And in one of the other gospels it says he was a ruler. <laughs> okay. So he's a rich young ruler. He was, he was an, in our society. This guy would be the up and coming businessman. He would be the guy that would would have enough money that he could do anything he wanted to. He could run for office. Everyone liked him. But he, when he asked what he needed to do, and Jesus gave him the answer, he wasn't willing to do it. Because 
rich rulers don't follow itinerant preachers. And so he didn't. You know, this guy could have probably been the replacement for Judas. He could probably have been one of, one of the 12 original apostles. And actually, this isn't totally historical, but some people think, some theologians think, that this was Barnabas. This was the man, after the church got started, that came to the apostles and laid a large sum of money at their feet and then began to travel with the apostle Paul. Could have been. We don't know for sure. But we know at this point in time, he said, well, that's just not the way I am. I want to give you three keys. Here we go. Three keys to moving out of the that's just the way I am mentality. Number one key is to give up control and make Jesus the boss of your life. Give up control and make Jesus the boss of your life. You know, it's one thing to have Jesus as Savior. It's another thing to make him boss. The word Lord means boss in our culture. And so many people... They kind of treat Jesus like a get-out-of-jail-free card or maybe a credit card. They go along and they do whatever they want to do, and, yeah, I'm doing a pretty good job. But when disaster strikes, then it's, oh, Jesus, come and help me. Take that Jesus card out. Play the Jesus card. Help me, Lord. But Jesus wants to be boss. Matthew 6.33, most of you know that verse. If you don't, look it up and, and take a look at it. But it's, it says this. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and do the right thing. And everything that you need will be added to you. You don't have to go out and scratch for it. It's added to you. There's a kingdom flow that comes into your life. Just like Philip and Christina shared this morning, when they began to do what God said regarding giving, then the return started. But it was in response to their obedience to the word of God. Amen? Okay. Well, we grasp for control for two reasons. Pride and fear. Pride and fear. <clears throat> I'll tell you a story. <clears throat> Back when I was, uh, was pastoring the church full time and we just moved into this building and, and I was quite busy. This was maybe 15 years ago. I got a call from a lady from out of town and I didn't know her. She had gotten my name from someone and she said, uh, would you go and visit my brother who's in jail in this other city? And, you know, I've done, I do a lot of jail ministry now, but back in those days, I, I, would, I would do some as, as time allowed. And particularly if, if one of the VFC people got locked up, I'd definitely go see them. And that, <clears throat> that does happen occasionally. 
So we, I talked to her, and she said, would you please go see my brother? You know, he's in, in jail in this other city. And I said, well, I'm really busy right now, but I'll, I'll, I'll try. That was a lie. I had no intention. Why? Well, I'd never been to that city before. I'd never been to that jail before. I didn't know the, who was in charge of it. I didn't know the sheriff in that city. And honestly, I was afraid to go. I didn't, I didn't want to do it. So I lied to her and said that I would when I was able. Well, she called me back a, a couple of weeks later, and she said, uh, I know you weren't, weren't able to go and see my brother yet, but I wanted you to know that he's been released. And he's living in a single-wide trailer uh, out in the county, and here's the address. Would you please go see him? He's really depressed, and uh, he can't find a job, and he just needs encouragement. I started to say, well, why don't you get your own pastor to go see him? But I didn't. I was sweet to her. <clears throat> so I said, well, I'll try to go see him. I'll have some time later on this week. Lied again. I didn't want to go over there. I had plenty to do. I had plans to do here. I had sermons to prepare. I didn't want to go. So I finally decided, <clears throat> well, I guess I better keep my word and go see that guy. So I called her, and I said, I just want to make sure that I've got the address right. And this was before GPS uh, was as readily available as it is today. So I wanted to get the address right because I was going somewhere. I didn't know where it was going to go. And so she said, well, well, don't bother. He hung himself yesterday. I don't know if he went to heaven or hell. He probably went to hell. I mean, maybe he was crying out to Jesus when he was dangling at the end of the rope. But I do know that I could have made a difference, and I didn't make a difference because of pride and fear and not being willing to change. And, you know, now I do a lot of ministry in the jails. I've led hundreds of people to Christ. And I'll never for, ever forget that failure. Now, have I been forgiven for that? Absolutely. I asked her to forgive me. She said she did. But that was an area, that was a mistake I made. It was a sin I committed that, was grievous to the Lord. It was grievous to me. Now, is it forgiven? Absolutely. Did it change my life? Absolutely. Now, I'd rather be in the jailhouse with a bunch of guys than eat the best steak in town. I really would. God has totally stirred me up and given me a, a heart for, for men that are incarcerated. So, the first thing is just go ahead and give up control. Just go ahead and give up control. See if I can get this thing to come back on. There we go. Give up control. Number two is love Jesus by obeying his word. John 14, 21. Let's look at that one a moment. 
John 14, 21. Jesus says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Isn't that interesting? Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones that love me. Uh, The King James says, He that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is who loveth me. That's the way I first memorized it. That's another verse that's really good. You know, I mean, it's, it's one thing to, to stand up and enjoy worship. And, oh, thank you, Jesus. I love you so much, Jesus. And then the word tells you to do something and you don't do it. So that means that, that, that I love you, Jesus, was at least partially hypocritical, right? Okay. Someone told me, <clears throat> I told somebody yesterday that I was going to tell that story. And they said they were going to come this morning. They said, but I'm going to wear steel-toed boots because you're going to be stepping all over my toes. <laughs> but if we want to be serious about loving Jesus, we need to obey him. We need to obey him. Okay. The third thing is yield to the Holy Spirit not the flesh. Yield to the Holy Spirit, not the flesh, okay? Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, 16. And I'm going to read this to you in the message. If you don't have that translation, just listen to me. Galatians five sixteen through 18. Okay. I'm getting there. Okay, here we go. Wait a minute, I missed it. I tell you what, old dudes and technology... Lord have mercy. All right, Galatians chapter 5. I'm getting close. Y'all bear with me, okay? There's There's a difference between a sin and just being dull, okay? So here we come. All right. Drum roll, please, okay? My counsel is this. Live freely, animated, and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical. That means they're against one another. So that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? Short version is follow the Spirit and the flesh won't rise up. See, if you follow the Spirit, then, then you won't the works of the flesh will be put down in your life. 
I love that part where he said, you know, on any given day. I mean, do you ever wake up feeling like, well, I don't want to do that today. I don't want to go to work today. I don't want to be married today. I don't don't want to be, you know, I just don't want to do this. I want to pull the covers back over my head and wallow in bed all day long. They call people that do that um, unemployed, (laughs) divorced, (laughs) and just plain sorry, okay? No, you have to do what you're supposed to do, right? If you want to be successful, and it's the same way spiritually, we have to yield to the Holy Spirit, have to yield to the Holy Spirit and not fulfill the works of the flesh, I tell y'all, and I'm going to tell you another story. You know I'm going to tell you stories, right? That's, that's what old guys do. They tell stories. And you know, when you've walked with Jesus for 50 years, you've got a lot of stories to tell. And I'm, I'm blessed. And when you've been married for almost 50 years, you've got a whole lot of stories to tell. Back years ago, <clears throat> Ann and I were going through some rough times. Uh, Paul said, if you're married, you're going to have trouble in the flesh. And Paul was right. And we've had our trouble in our marriage, just like you've had trouble in your marriage. It, that's the way marriage is. And, and you've got two different people that are totally different, like Ann and I are, then it's even worse, I think. She's the sweet one. Y'all know that, right? Well, I've struggled with my mouth and with anger all of my life. Anyone else struggle with saying the wrong thing and getting angry? Well, and what would happen is I would, we'd get into a little tiff. I mean, it was usually over nothing. And I'd say the wrong thing or, or roll my eyes. Rolling eyes, husbands, is not the way to endear your wife to you. And she always caught me when I rolled my eyes. <clears throat> so these things would happen, and we'd get in a little tiff, and I would, get, I would get nasty. And she would wind up crying. Sometimes there was a little profanity involved. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. And just me being me, okay? And so usually when we had one of those little deals, I would come back the next day and I might bring her flowers or give her a card and say sweetheart I'm so sorry that I opened my big mouth once again and offended you yesterday would you please forgive me now this had gone on for years literally years and this particular time she said Larry of course I forgive you forgiveness even isn't even an issue I just want to know when you're going to change. I will never forget her words or the look on her face when she said that. The Holy Spirit took those words and drilled them into me. So I don't even think I replied. But I got before God. And I made a decision. And starting the next morning, I set my alarm clock for 30 minutes earlier. And I got up 
day after day after day, 30 minutes earlier. And I literally, I went to our den. It was at the, in that house. It was downstairs. Bedroom was upstairs. Went down to the den, and I laid on my face before God. And I said, Father, either kill me or change me. Now, we know God's not going to kill us because he's a good God. So the only option was that I would change. And I began to pray. I began to read books. I began to listen to Joyce Meyer, who's another big mouth preacher. And she loves to talk about that. And I began to change over a period of time. It wasn't overnight. And after a period of time, Ann told me, she said, you have changed. You have changed. Why? Because I applied myself. I let the Holy Spirit do the work. If you let the Holy Spirit do the work, if you let him move your life, then, I mean, the sin problems begin to drop away. See, when we get saved, you need to remember this. When we get saved, it's our spirit man that gets saved. Excuse me. When we get saved, it's our spirit man that gets saved. Jesus works from the inside out. The devil works from the outside in. That's one of the differences in the two. So, my life began to change. It's still changing. We basically now never fight. Now, of course, I'm old as dirt, so that's part of it. But we basically just don't fight anymore. And I don't, you know, no one raises their voice. Occasionally, I mean, we might get in a little something, but nothing like we used to. There's, there's never any profanity. There's never any, well, you did this and you did that. And, and going back to the past and dragging up all the old junk. We just don't do that anymore. It's all under the blood anyway. Right? So that's my personal example of how by applying myself and, and be willing to, to not say, well, that's just the way I am. What I can say now is that's the way I used to be. See, Jesus takes you just the way you are, but he doesn't leave you the way you were. He's changing us from glory unto glory. Amen? Okay. Our question. We always have a question, right? Here's our question for today. Are you willing to yield to Jesus and let him make you into the victorious person he wants you to be. We all want victory, but it's been my experience that not all of us are willing to pay the price for victory. See, it's the, the, the price has been paid by Jesus, but we have to add our own willingness, add our own willingness to his power in order to change. You might want to write this down. Jesus always will do the heavy lifting. We just have to commit to the task. If we commit to the task, Jesus will do the heavy lifting. Amen?
Would you stand, please? If the altar ministry team would make their way down. <clears throat> <clears throat> 